Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational, educational, and entertaining podcast for auto detailers. Welcome to the community. All right, welcome to the Pints of Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill, and I'm your guide as we journey through car care industry. And uh, listen, this is going to be a fun episode as we look forward into the future. And uh, today and in the future, you'll find us on social, but those addresses might be a little different. Uh, today, you can find me at Total Auto Solutions on most platforms. It will change to HyperClean Shop soon, uh, and you can find at TikTok, find me at Detail Supply App. Best way to get in touch, though, shoot me a text direct, 918-800-1188. Nick has a new place that you can find him. Multiple people are beginning to reach out and finding that location. Great place to go reach Nick is find him at uh, HyperCleanNick on Instagram. Best way to get in touch, though, still shoot him a email, nick at vegasrides.com. And uh, Nick, I am hopping into what I hope is a great beer. This is from Decadent Ales, and it is Orange Cream Pop. Uh, are you in? That it's going to be interesting, right? I hope, right? Like, because there's two things that are. Do they mix, right? Orange Crush, right? Like, are you? Yeah. I, I yeah. can see everyone. Yeah, I everyone can see was you being an Orange Crush guy. I I don't yeah. do Orange Crush, and I typically don't do like orange flavored anything. Is like. Sub orange flavor is not good, but uh, creamsicles. You don't like creamsicles? I, I never ate creamsicles either. What about Stewart's? Did you ever have Stewart's? Oh, yeah. You're let's let's wrap this episode. Yeah, up. yeah. This, uh, this <laughs> the hope for this beer might not be good, and especially, but I mean, the good thing is it's got citra hops, right? That's an orange zest, right? I like those, but then they mixed in the Madagascar vanilla beans. Yeah, who knows? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean. I hope to enjoy it, but uh, as you hope to venture off into new beers yourself, right? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing we did hope for, which seems to have come true, was that uh, for the first year, everything was eating and pooping out all together. Wonderful well for your daughter. So congratulations on making it to year number one. The yeah. terrible twos are now here. Congratulations. So I know. you had a nice birthday party. Yeah, man. We, uh, we did the zoom thing. It was just, we have so many friends and family scattered. So we did zoom like a zoom birthday party. So we had like 70 people hop on the zoom. And so what we had everybody do kind of like we did with the baby shower, just because of Corona, everybody's got a different viewpoint. You know, you realize after, a year of something, I'm not going to have an, the same argument with 70 different people. So we're real big on, let's just take that out of it. And we had, you know, family was traveling and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, we, uh, we did it on zoom, everybody sent their packages and then we kind of opened everybody's stuff individually. And, you know, everybody got to kind of hang out with one another. And so we kind of utilized technology, but yeah, it was, you know, the first year's over and I realize every parent just keeps moving the bar on me. Well, wait till you have a two-year-old. Wait till you have a seven-year-old. Wait till you have a nine-year-old. It's like, dude. Wait till you have two. Yeah, exactly. Wait till I have, wait. Oh, if you had three, you know, it's like, dude, it, people never give you credit. It's like, you guys didn't think I would be here. So, you know, here we are. She made it a year. She's walking, you know, uh, she's about to talk. 
she's massive dude we got the most massive kid on the planet no baby fat she's like so tall she's outgrown everything people sent clothes that shit doesn't fit already so it's all good man it's been fun so she's gonna be a tall kid <laughs> i don't know man she's like uh in like 28 month clothing and she's no wait a minute yeah 28 month clothing at 12 months it's like, and it's all length. It's no, it's no, like we got no chubby. Like you can just pick her up and you're like, dude, this kid is huge. So did you buy basketball shoes already? Is that your hope? <laughs> dude, like, hey. Let me tell you what I try to tell people. Stop sending clothes. You're always wrong. Like we just have clothes. We end up giving away to people. Cause it's like, you know. Or I think you and I talked, you, you're going to hope for golf instead of basketball. Is that where you're going? I'm hoping like tennis, golf, yeah. you know, those country club sports, yeah. <laughs> you know, things, but I don't give a shit. You know, people, like I told you, man, I got friends that got kids in the Olympic gymnast program. I got, you know, kids that are major league baseball players. I got kids that are just smart and kids that are just normal. So I don't think we have much of a say Do you. No, uh, my, my oldest just started cross country. Which she had never been into running before. I always told her I thought she would a be a good A guy on my runner. team just had his kid. Never did a running, and now he loves cross-country some reason. Yep. Now she's running three miles uh, every good couple days and competing. And she sent me these charts. She was at 20-something. Now she's moving down Sweet. into the lower 20s. You know, she's, hey, she's good for getting her. there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, you don't have a say. I tell people this all the time. Uh, my dad was great at basketball, Played played pretty – high level basketball in his life and i i was good at basketball but i didn't like playing it and i wrestled and uh, dude you just don't know none of this shit's controllable doesn't matter what anybody tells you doesn't feel like it's controllable anyway yeah i agree there's a lot of things that aren't controllable in life <laughs> and that's why we have hope i mean hope puts us out there of things that we really anticipate going on you hope for things sometimes that is going to work out, right? You you hope for the best. Um, you also hope that things don't go certain ways sometimes, right? Like I hoped, right? So the beer that I had <laughs> this weekend was made by Dave, who's a detailer. It's, it's been on the podcast before. He's now the head brewer at Welltown, one of my favorite little local breweries here in Tulsa. And they have a really, really great IPA that they come out with. It's seasonal. And they mix in malt with it. Right. So it would be what I had kind of hoped that, right. You, you mentioned that dream sickle, right. So it's, it's malty with some like citrusy flavor uh, mixed with the bitterness of an IPA. I think it's amazing. I'd hoped that this one was similar, but I don't know something with those beans, it kind of throws that flavor off. Um, what, what I know that we are starting to hear that's going to be off and it's going to be different. Many of us hoped <laughs> this chip shortage would be done, right? It would be a couple months and then the, the car care industry would get back to normal. Sales would get back. There'd be cars at dealerships, but we still drive by and see five, 10, a big dealership might have 30 cars where they used yeah. to have a hundred on the front line. Um, you had mentioned before, we're starting to hear more pop about it. I had a local dealership start to release some information that they're not seeing where they think that's going to be their plans or projections for the chips. What is it that you're hearing? What is it that uh, we've said in the past that we think it's going to continue to go? 
Well, there's no more chip capacity. So they can't build chips faster. They can't build more chips. That was never possible. That was, that was under an understanding that I was told by, by, I have a family member that's really tied into the chip industry. And in 2017, which we shared on this podcast, the chip manufacturers said, Hey, we're not bringing any more capacity online before 2024. So don't get out of line. Don't not take your orders, which is what the car manufacturers did at the beginning of the pandemic is they sort of told the chip manufacturers like, Hey, you know, can you hold our order? Well, in 2017, they told you that wasn't possible. So it was bad management. There seems to be a couple companies in the car industry that are doing better than others. Ford is doing better than others. BMW is doing better than others. Honda, Toyota, they're in trouble. You know, they're way under Mazda way under. Uh, it seems like you see a Mazda everywhere on the road. Mazda's way under. But here's some numbers to put to it. This is actual data. This isn't our opinion. You're going to have about nine and a half new cars that are completely taken out of the worldwide supply. Okay. In the next year, up until this point, and maybe a little bit beyond, you're going to lose about nine and a half million cars. That number's probably pretty low. You're probably going to see that number approach 11 million. What does that mean globally? Who cares? Most of the people that listen to us listen from the United States or detailers or enthusiasts or whatever in the United States. The United States is going to be down about three, three and a half million cars by the end of this thing. Man, that has big, big implications. And what does that mean? It just means supply is very, 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 very tight. So, you know, I got an example in my own business. I have a client that gets a new Mercedes AMG every single year. Uh, where does this help detailers to know this information? Well, when she called me and said, hey, I just talked to the Mercedes dealership, what's going on? I'm able to, 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 to give her some perspective on what she should be doing. Hold on to the vehicle. You're going to, you know, Mercedes has already announced they're not bringing a lot of their big V8 cars and trucks or SUVs to the United States in 2022, uh, there's nothing you can do. Like, don't sit here and fight, 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 fight. So this disinformation does matter. Yeah, and let me add, I'm glad you mentioned that story because I, I would love for you to say, why does it matter for us to be able to inform customers of things that we hear going on in our industry? Does that really set us up as being more professional and that we know yeah. what's happening in our industry? Yeah, I mean, somebody being able to, pick up the phone and call you for general information on cars. You may be a starting out detailer and don't see it because I would have been in the same boat, but as you get in your career and your, and your customers develop more of a relationship with you, what they want is to do more stuff with you and not have to call someone else. So the more that I can control and the more that I'm on in the understanding, the more I can help them. Now, you may not always be able to charge for that information. That's what everybody gets been out of shape about. Well, you know, I can't charge them for it. No, but let me give you an example. She made a phone call to me. She's not used to going into a second year with the car. So guess what I was able to do? Hey, we're going to go ahead and book the Mercedes into the shop. We're going to provide this service, this service, and this service. You don't normally do these services, but if the car is going to be on the level that you want, you're going to have to do these things. So that's a sole job because I was able to have an intelligent conversation, tell her, keep the car another year, let things play itself out. You may even keep it another year and a half, but to keep it that year and a half and to keep it to the level that you want, 
I get, I need to provide these services for the car. You know, we're going to bill probably 1200 bucks on the job, something around there. If I remember right, I have to go look at the invoice that 1200 bucks probably doesn't happen if she doesn't think she can pick up the phone and ask me as her expert, what I should do. And, so, as, an ex and as an expert, right. Having a grasp of what's going on in car sales, what's happening in our industry allows you to voice an opinion, which helps them trust you more with the service that you're going to recommend, right? Yep. That ease of sell into that service wouldn't have happened if you didn't have an understanding of what's going on in the overall industry. Yeah. And think about this. It wasn't really a sale. I literally just told her, we need to do this, this, and this. I'll tell you, I'll call you and we'll book it. Like there was no sale. People talk about sales and this isn't a conversation for today, but when you get to a point when you don't have to sell anybody, I got a Corvette coming in, I believe next week, there's no sale. I told him the services we're going to provide. He, we actually had to push him back a few weeks because of the supply issues we have getting stuff into the shop or that would have already been close to, you know, multiple thousands of dollars would have already gone through the shop on this one vehicle. I never sold him on anything. I said, this is what you need done. We're going to do it. Like he's just anxious to drop it off. That only happens because we've talked about his Corvette. We spec this Corvette. Now we're telling him what's best for his Corvette to keep it the way that he needs to keep it. People look at sales in our industry as though it's rocket science. No, nah, man, if you're the most educated, if you're the most prepared, and again, this stuff goes into it. I knew about the chip shortage, was able to tell people to get orders in. I, some of my clients were the first on the list at, at, to get the Bronco. Other people are 100 on the list here locally. They may never see a Bronco in the next year. Who knows? They may see it tomorrow. But I got people that were one, two, three, four on the list to get a Bronco, and they got them already. You know, what, what is that value to somebody that has the money? It's, it's incredible value for sure. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned the Bronco being out. There's going to be other vehicles that come out over the next couple of years. There's no doubt as we hope, right? We hope that this ship shortage gets solved by 2024. And, yeah. I, and that's, that's the number you're hearing, right? Yeah. So this isn't just going to magically iron itself out. It just, and here's what people aren't talking about hurricanes that went up to the, the coast and up and down the coast damaged a ton of cars. There was a Porsche dealership that lost 25 high level Porsches up in the Northeast somewhere. They had to do a complete insurance write-off. Okay. The issue becomes that also now there's like 900,000 cars to get damaged in those types of storms, right? It's some ungodly number like that. Like there's just a bunch of cars to get damaged. Well, guess what happens? Those people need to go look for cars. They're going to take insurance money. All of these things affect everything else. And when the car business has 30, 60, 90 days of supplies on a dealership, it's no big deal. When they have 23 days of supply on the dealership, and most of those cars are not base level cars, they're high level cars, they're not the models necessarily everybody can afford or want, it creates a real pinch. So who knows what's going to happen? I think the prediction is some manufacturers are going to really do well. There's an idea that Ford is really going to kill the domestic market. They're going to just massively murder because somehow they've gotten them, they've wiggled themselves out of the problem. Now, not fully, but better than other people. So make sure people understand what I'm saying. They're not out of the problem. They're just handling it better than other people. So, but Honda, Toyota, those types of companies are going to be, they're going to be hurting. And that means that you're hurting as a, as a consumer and as a detailer, 
you got to understand, hey, man, people are going to be keeping their cars longer. I'm going to be offering different services. But 2024 is the best guess of when this can get ironed out. So we thought, right, and this is what's interesting, we had hoped through Corona, right, we, a lot of projections were, well, we hoped to get back to normal was sort of the end of 2020, what everybody thought. Well, <laughs> they, actually, 2022 might be worse for people in, in some aspects, right? Yeah. Other aspects, people are doing much better than they were, right? So there, sure. it can fall on different people in different ways, depending on however people have positioned themselves. And we always like to talk about how we can evolve and grow and moving forward into things that we see and opportunities that we see. There's no doubt, though, as we begin to hope that things will, quote unquote, get back to normal, what is normal for car sales? We don't know how it will evolve because we're already seeing an evolution take place with bigger brands of, of car dealership owners that are a conglomerate. They might own a couple different uh, lines. They might have stores in different states. They're starting to gobble up some of these smaller, you know, yeah. oh, I'm, a, I'm a big one to two, you know, brand here in my town. Let's just say from Tulsa. I mean, there's multiple of these. They own two or three little dealerships and do very well. Right? They've done very well, but now they're not able to continue to stay up and you're starting to see them change names yep. or they're just seeing an opportunity to go ahead and hop out. So what we know from moving forward is there's a lot of shakeup. So we want to go through and talk about hopes, hopes that we want to see over the next years as we come out through 2024. And, and one of the big hopes that's kind of a predominant theme from the Pints of Polishing podcast is we hope that we'll understand we're a part of a bigger picture than this niche, super, super small, not very practical to the rest of the world industry that many brands have tried to make us. And I get it. If you are the elite inside of an Uber niche, great. You're set and you're doing well. But the other 99.9% .9 of us in the overall car care industry need to understand that we're a part of a massive market that's not just corrections and coatings, right? We do so much more for the overall industry. And I'm going to tie in over these next couple of points, a small conversation that I had this past weekend that I got to go to a, a, a birthday party. That was for a, an 18-year-old girl. Now, it's interesting, 43, you're going into this birthday party, but I got asked into it because of, well, uh, sort of where, you know, where I'm at in life of, of my girlfriend coming in and she's living with me and, and who she is, right? Uh, I got invited into a Brazilian birthday party which is different than an American style birthday party <laughs> by definitely yeah. the foods that I ate and the different things that were there. And while I was there, I was talking to a guy that owns a, uh, uh, not, you know, we're in car care. He's in home care. So we talked through different things that he says in his industry in home care industry and things that we see in our car care industry. And I'm going to tie in a couple different things throughout uh, the next couple of points to help drill home an idea of us. We service an overall industry, right? Cars. We are in the car industry. We're not in the detail industry, technically. 
We're in the car yep. industry, the automotive industry, and we are, quote unquote, the janitors, the cleaners of the car industry. We clean, maintain, and protect the automobiles in our industry. And I hope that as we continue through into 2024, when maybe this big exposure, because we know that there's going to be an evolution, the overall industry is going to and will be evolving out of this moment in time. We will see years later when we look back, we'll look back and go, oh, it was because of this, this, and this, right? It was because of these moments that we're in now that we will see and experience the evolution moving forward. And so my, my hope, right, and your hope, our hope as the overall podcast, and I'll let you tie into it, right? Our hope is that we'll see the bigger picture of understanding that we're in a much, much larger industry. And what that gets to do for us is when you see that and you have that hope, no matter what size you are, you're a one man. Hey, we talked to plenty of people that are doing it with their spouse or, hey, I'm a one man. I got a one other guy. You know, that's a massive amount of people that, that interact with us. Hey, great news, right? The, the overall industry that you're a part of is going through a massive shakeup. That gives you major opportunity to see it and go grab business and go explode your business. So we clean cars and we help people that are trying to buy cars and we help people that are trying to sell cars, right? That is a main thing of what we do in the car care industry. So Nick, love to know your thoughts on, uh, on who we are in the industry. How do we picture it as being part of being something that's a, a, of a bigger aspect? Yeah, I think this kind of, you know, branches off to something we talked about last week, right? And we got an incredible amount of feedback, opinion, uh, interaction, from a lot of people that, that are really looking for, hey, man, what, what's the next step to go to this next level as an industry, right? And I think that's what you're referring to. What does the next step look like? What, what is that next movement that this industry has to make? It's not something that, that we thought would, you know, trigger as much interaction as it did. And that's why we're going to broach it today a little bit more detailed. And, and I have an answer for this everybody's looking for some massive certification program or, you know, one year of schooling and then you're a tradesman and, you know, we can follow mechanics and, you know, all this kind of different stuff that are very valid opinions and opinions that I understand and you understand, and there's validity to all that. But the next steps to me are actually steps backwards as an industry where we need to honestly say, we can't even define what detailing is. As an industry, you asked 50 different people on this podcast, what is detailing? You didn't get very many coherent answers. You got some good, you got some bad, you got some in between, some that made no sense, some that made a lot of sense, but you had 50 different answers. And so for all those people that are like, well, you know, mechanics do this, you got to think about a couple things here. Number one, mechanics are just below car salesmen and the least trusted automotive profession that exists. So you may want to kind of relax that opinion a bit. All right. Help uh, me understand what are people wanting us to be compared to mechanics like? Help me understand. That. Well, they want us to go through certifications like mechanics do. They want us to, you know, have shop books that that mechanics work off of and those types of things. I see the points, but that's the roof of the house. 
that's the that's the, the the last thing you do when you have the rest of your industry in line. And let me give you an example. We can't define paint correction uniformly. We can't define interior detailing uniformly. We can't define coatings uniformly. You have some people that think sealants are coatings, coatings are sealants. I mean, that's all over the map. PPF does not have standardized thought processes around basic terminology. And so to me, we need to start with the foundation of the, of the house. And the foundation of the house is, let's define paint correction as an industry. We're not all going to agree on whatever definition we come up with, but we're just trying to come up with the best definition to start a baseline. And then that's the foundation and interior detail, all that kind of stuff we do. These basic level things that are at the core of our industry, we have no agreement on. You and I discussed on the phone, I think this morning, there is such an argument about paint enhancement and paint correction. I don't have the argument. I don't believe in paint enhancement because I've said all modern tools and things at our disposal, we're always correcting paint if we're putting a pad on the paint. You should be at least because all the new abrasive technology basically allows you to do some level of correction. Just think about that. The bedrock of our industry, paint correction, and we can't come up with a, with a unified definition. And let me make this simple to understand. Every shop that, has a, that, that does mechanical work would operate differently. No shop is the same. But if I called every shop and said, hey, the alternator's out on my Toyota Tundra, they would all talk to me about replacing the alternator. If I pick up the phone and I say, I want my car detailed at 10 different shops, I'm going to get 10 different answers. And that is the confusing part of our industry and where we need to start as solving the issue moving forward. Hmm. So that's, that's really interesting. So, cause at a shop, right. I'm, I'm going to go buy a, a particular part. And so if I, if I call, I get a quote for a part, then they're going to add in their service. Typically what we do and dealers, uh, detailers is we don't follow that dealership model in that sense. You know, we might like to sell a five to seven. And as we've jokingly said before, like there's some things that dealerships do that we like to sell some stuff. And there's, there's even people that have come into the car care industry from the dealership side that oh, have yeah. brought in their sales cliche forms and, you know, things that they like to do slapstick wise inside of, you know, the ways yeah. that they represent their brand. But overall, as a car care specialist, I myself haven't always wanted to go after that big five, seven and go after that slapsticky style. Right. So it does become a little bit different if somebody's going to call me and go, Hey, I need a detail. Cause actually I got that phone call this morning. Right. right. Gives me a phone call and says, Hey, I need a detail on a truck. So what you're saying is that then I should have a set. Well, here's the alternator or, Here's the full detail. Here's, do we, you know, this is where I think it goes into some confusion, right? If I'm selling a part, then I yeah. need to tell the person what part? No, because so many times I'll hear, if I call in, I got the Jeep worked on, they'll just say, is OEM or non, right? That's yep. it. Well, the car care industry, there's no manufacturer of cars that make waxes, right? right? 
So right. none of our stuff is OEM. Everything is other than OEM. Yeah, and I think this is the, this is the big conversation, right? The conversation is we're not trying to have a standardized pricing or standardized service list. What we're trying to do is for everybody new that comes in, right now, whoever they learn from defines what they believe. That happened to us, right? The guys we learned from that kind of define the beginning of our career and, and really probably defines it pretty heavily now how we started out. Even if we evolve, we just evolve from those beginning points. So one of the things is you can all, if you could point to something and say to somebody, hey, this is the standard definition of paint correction. You can go off and do whatever variation of paint correction you do, but you still have the beginning, the same starting point. It's the same at a mechanic shop. If you have a great mechanic, you know there's a difference in this shop doing the alternator and that shop doing the alternator, right? There's a difference in service because a really great shop you never have to worry about. But if I go to a sketchy shop, I'm like, man, are they going to put the wiring in properly? Are they? I mean, you got to worry about some shit. I mean, there's no doubt. And okay? currently, the way they have their stuff set up, right, they are in a bunch of structure, and you still have a whole a mess of, of Yeah. Yeah, because, and again, this is why I tell people, stop trying to believe that there's going to be this solution that makes your life easier. Because you're still going to have a lot of bad work out there. You're still going to deal with customers that don't understand. You're, you, what we're trying to do, though, is lay a foundation for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Because quite frankly, we haven't had that. Let's just be honest with one another. Nobody's failure. It's no one person you point at and say, you know, if that guy would have done things differently, there's so much animosity around this type, type of topic, and that shouldn't be that way. We've tried the certification thing now for a while. It hasn't made a dent in this industry. It's okay. Nobody did anything wrong. Step back and say, okay, look, we tried. This has to be a part, but we got to do some of these other things, right? And that's why I don't want guys, and we got so much interaction off this, which was so cool because so many people made me think you know, listen to their opinions, take some stuff from them, really refine our opinion on this. And all I'm saying is don't put the roof on the house before the foundation. We don't have the basic understanding in this industry of the baseline paint correction definition, baseline interior detailing definition, baseline, you know, uh, ceramic coating definitions. We don't have any of that stuff. And so we're springboarding ourselves and thinking we can have these big, huge, you know, we're going to get lobbyists in Washington and we're going to, you know, really change this. Buddy, we don't even, we can't even get people to agree on what auto detailing is. Like, can we just slow down and maybe fix some of these things that we haven't done uh, yet and, and, and move forward from there? I think it would be a, it would at least get some accomplishment on the table and get some things moving forward from there. And, and I think it'd be fun to hear people that, would put and, and put their time and energy because we I've heard it. I've heard it for years that there's people that are doing this and it's, you know, hey, and it's it's it seems like a big pom pom that they're waving, but I just it's like cool. That would be great. You know, I that would be would be cool. Right. That's the way I kind of see it. Like, okay, you're gonna get that done. Great. You're gonna have all this stuff laid out, you know, in that format. Great. How do I still answer that phone call? Sure. And they say, a, by the way, it doesn't the fix detail? that problem. It doesn't fix that problem. What it does is start to get 
for future generations and as we come through, what it gets is it gets people to start in the same way. That's what you're really trying to do. You're just trying to, to put some baseline stuff together to kind of lay the foundation to do some bigger stuff later, right? The roofing is really a big project. Laying some concrete is important to putting that roof on. So I, I hear everybody's thought process around this massive undertaking of, of having like an ASC certified, uh, you know, technician at, at a mechanic shop. And that's important. I hear that. I do. And I heard it from a lot of people this last week. It's a very valid opinion, but it's not a valid opinion if it's built on a shaky foundation. And I think that's what people don't want to admit is that we just don't have the simple things in line yet as an industry to then undertake these massive projects. And that's just my two cents. That's why I think the certification thing hasn't really caught on and done a lot for our industry because the basics aren't there. And there's nothing to point to and say, hey, you know, John, you're getting into this industry. This is what auto detailing is. Hey, maybe he wouldn't agree with everything, but it would give him something to start jump off point, so to speak. And maybe the part of the reason why, right, if we look at these other certification, we weren't really trying to dive down this rabbit no, no, trail, no. but yeah. but but since we brought it up, I mean, and maybe since some of those other industries, they have a little bit more value in a certification, right? Like the, right, the association that puts on their certification actually means something in the overall industry. It also could take two years. You know, this is what people don't want to admit. Okay, let's talk about that. And we don't want to go down this, and I understand, but I want people to think about this from a basic standpoint. What you're talking about is an industry that guys are advocating to putting in this type of educational program to then bring value later. Cool. How many of these guys advocating that would have went to a two-year school to do that? My venture is they would have gone and worked at the shop down the street, and they would have done exactly what they've ended up doing. It's great to advocate it after your career is already settled, Okay. What you're saying in some of these certifications, legitimate certifications are one year, 18 months, 36 months. Boy, oh boy, we, does anybody think we have anybody willing as in our industry as a whole or some organization that could undertake putting a 36 month certification together that the government recognizes when we can't answer a simple question, what is auto detailing? I mean, think about it logically. You're asking people that can't define what is detailing to now put a 36-month government-recognized certification together because it, there is no in-between. You want to go to that level, you're going to need massive commitment. You're going to have to get in with trade schools. You're going to have – there's all this shit you're going to have to do, and everybody just thinks, I can't believe it didn't happen. Well, I, I think it's pretty simple to see why it didn't happen because it's really difficult. It's, it just is. It's okay to say it's difficult. I think that's a key part, right? Who would actually stick in it that long? You know, we'd love to sell 800 bucks for a weekend of training. Yeah. Right? Love to do that, right? I mean, there's brands that have made a shit ton scamming detailers over the past years of, hey, come let me teach you how to wipe on a coating, pay me 800 bucks, boom, you're certified. Yeah. But and you're again, right. How it, many people would actually go 24 months, 36 months, 48 months 
Yeah. I mean, who, who would do that? I mean, it's great to say until you unwind it and start to really talk about what it looks like. And this is what I'm trying to, to, to say is my point of view. Let's maybe get some accomplishments on the really simple stuff and see if we can get that done. And then let's talk about the bigger stuff. You know, let, let's talk about putting the walls up in our house. Let's talk about decorating the house and putting the roof on. Let's talk about that. But guys, name me the simple stuff that we have handled. And I had so many people reach out. Really, I, matter of fact, it was a throwaway part of last week's episode that I, you and I didn't think two things about, which is how this happens, by the way. For those that want to know how podcasts go, you have these things that you think will be great and you hear a little bit of feedback, then you have things you never think about and a hundred people message you and call you and DM you. And it's awesome that it happens that way because it's, it's so unexpected, but that's the only reason we're talking about it. I mean, think about it, Marty. We never thought anything about this conversation. Then it's like, we are talking about today's episode, like, dude, we got to say something because people are misunderstanding a little bit of, of my point of view, especially, Hey man, I think all those things are great goals, but you know, it's like trying to run like your daughter in cross country to run three miles, but you can't walk 500 feet. That's going to be pretty tough. It's going to be pretty tough. You know, my daughter's one year old. If I told her to go join the cross country team right now, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to people. We got to just get her walking without falling down every few steps. I think you can really relate that to where detailing is. Let's get some of the simple shit done. Some of the really simple stuff. Let's, let's accomplish those and then build upon them. Uh, because that's what you do in your business. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't start out at the top, you know, or anything like that. You know, we all start at the bottom and build up. And I think we need to be honest as an industry, man, let's take a pause and let's go back and do some of the work that we just didn't get to. And, and, and now let's start it from, from fresh like that. All right. So that was our hopes for, you know, overall industry, seeing that we're part of a, you know, and actually uh, we're not this Uber niche industry we're actually a part of a massive industry it's called the the car industry the automotive industry yeah. Yeah. you know we're we service those people that's who we are and uh you know it'd be cool to eventually whether or not it'll work or not see how the overall industry begins to define itself uh because it, it is extremely difficult to be able to tell people what is a detail okay well <laughs> Why don't yep. you tell me what it is? Let's walk through it and then I'll sell you the right package for it. That's how I handle those conversations. Uh, but so many people will put us in and this is where, you know, detailers, quote unquote, we, we don't want to be car washers, quote unquote, right? And we don't like those $25 detailers who are a step above the car washers. And we definitely don't want to be those, unless you do, those maintenance guys that are that 50 to 100, I think that's where the big majority of the industry should be going. But there's a section of the industry over the past years, they've had such a predominant theme. No, let's Uber niche ourselves into only doing correction and then putting down a protection after you've fully, and this is, this is where Nick, this is where we want to define. Uh, we'll do this even more later. We'll continue yeah. to talk back and forth on correction and enhancement, but What's the difference between the two? And we've said it for over a year, you know, there is a difference. Where do we go? But so let's jump into now something specific for maybe it's somebody that you've, you've talked to back into, you know, your DMs, where you think of a detailer specifically, where they could be like, 
looking at 2024, right, our hopes of where we're at in the overall industry, where we could see ourselves, how we'll begin to define ourselves. But then let's put into a practical down to the net, so to speak, with some actual real life detailing where we hope some people are by 2024. And I'm going to go with a quote that I saw out of a, a group recently where they put out, and I've said this a couple of times, where people started to, to put out more videos to, to actually show some creativity to their marketing. And he put a quote unquote, we did something different, made a commercial video. Woohoo, great, man. It's, it's September yeah. of 2021. I'm glad to hear and see that in September 2021, you finally, <laughs> finally did something different. That's the first aspect. And then you made a commercial style video, which listen, commercial style video has all kinds of quotations under it. There's many, many ways. And anybody listening, go to the, come join us. Community Pub, it's every Wednesday night, 7.30 Central. The Zoom ID is 918-800-1188. And we chop it up on a regular basis about ways to market, how to market. We talked specifically this past time on different apps that you could use. Listen, the ability that you have to make commercial-grade videos is something no one has ever seen in their lifetime up until now. The availability that you have to boost your business marketing is far beyond what anybody else has ever imagined. And you can create now way beyond commercial, right? Create specifically to your customer clientele, dive it into specifically whether it's around the spill that they got and how you're getting that spill up the gloss that it looks when they walk out and see their car, right? Don't look at it from your aspect as the detailer. Look at it from their eyes and put it into their perspective, showing the problems that you solve and walk them through how you solve them by storytelling the process in the video, heavy on what you're doing to solve their problem. And there's so many different apps there's so many different ways of doing it. I'm glad we were the first ones to tell detailers to go get on TikTok. It is nice to see that other brands are starting to do it. There's, you know, detailers that are quote unquote, you know, like, uh, what are you, like uh, influencer type detailers. They're now finally in 2021, finally getting on TikTok. Listen, TikTok's an amazing way for you to begin to tell your story creatively so that you can go beyond right? We're having hope, hope for bigger, hope for more. You have that availability now. And I hope that you will take the time and energy effort that is available for you to use so that you can push it out further. Nick, how do you hope that somebody can evolve and continue to grow over the next years? Well, I think one of the things we're talking about internally at HyperClean is is about the one-year coding market. You know, I think it's something that is very misunderstood. It's very underrepresented. And again, we kind of, I kind of say this terminology all the time. It's underthought and overthought at all at the same time. I would never want to put ceramic in a spray bottle that somebody was spraying all over in the air. 
Okay, there's a reason, and I'm holding it up now, that HyperClean Uno is in a bottle with a dropper and, you know, because it's highly concentrated, high-quality ceramic coating. And there's a big misunderstanding in the, in the ceramic market, okay? We don't have to go into all of them, but let's just talk about a basic one that I hope people realize. I would never advocate somebody putting tray on at their shop where they didn't do a little polish. I just think it's the best when you're talking about a three year, five year, seven year, hey, get the paint looking good. It's a commitment by the, not only you, the installer, because you know, tray is really, really high grade product, right? It's a little bit more knowledge to install. It's professional grade, massive type of coating. When have I ever advocated, hey, don't, don't do anything to the paint? I never advocated that. What I have advocated for is there's going to be a certain amount of you detailers that are going to come across clients that have heard about ceramic coating but don't want to invest in that three- and five-year entire package. It's not just the coating itself, but the package around those massive year, like our tray product, okay? There's just some people that's not going to fit them doesn't matter if they drive a Ferrari or a Honda Civic. Some people just don't want it. What's baffled me is watching guys use paint sealants, but not use Uno. Because we got a bunch of people that use Slick, and then they go to Dose. And they skip over Uno. Right? You and I talk about this. We have to then talk to the detailer, say, hey, man. They try it. They're like, damn, Uno's great. Well, right? We've had to do that a lot. When we talk about wash, clay, and ceramic, I personally never say do that with a five-year coating. Do that with tray. I don't say that, okay? What I say, though, is if you want to do a wash, a clay, a decon, and be able to give somebody a ceramic experience, a product like Uno fits that perfectly. It's going to last you 12 to 18 months. Quite frankly, if you do a great preparation job, you're probably going to see 18 months pretty easily out of it. We certainly have here in the Las Vegas heat. I shared that on stories today. But don't cheapen out your customer either. Don't go take a coating and say, well, if it's entry level, I'll just spray some stuff on. Well, they don't know any better. Man, we're right back in that place where we, we look at each other and say, this is the same guy that wants massive certification. Those things don't go together. Doing the right thing by having an entry-level coating, but then also making sure it's robust and it lasts and it's a real ceramic coating, that's also part of the gig too. Like, I don't ever tell people hyper clean, slick, spray it on the panel and walk away and tell them it's going to last 15 years. I mean, we don't do that because we care about the profession. And I care about you guys as detailers looking your client in the eye and saying, hey, this is quality. And everybody that tries Uno is like, I can't believe this is a one-year product. I can't believe the value on it. I can't believe the price on it. Guys, this is what a one-year ceramic looks like. If they're telling you you can wipe it on and come back two days later and wipe it off, let me give you a secret about the chemistry of ceramics. That's not a ceramic. <laughs> it's okay that it's a polymer-based product but don't slap ceramic on it and don't tell people it's ceramic. And so one thing I hope is that people start to understand that there's levels of ceramic that now exist. They didn't always exist this way. Okay. 
the first a courts and, and ceramic pro products that I used, you had to take a chisel to those things. Those things weren't one year. Those things were like lifetime because they were so thick and, and nobody knew about them. We're now at a place and HyperClean proves this where we can dial in the formulas and give you levels of ceramic wax isn't dead sealants aren't dead but i can tell you sealants are probably replaced by something like this now wax is always going to be necessary if you're taking care of of certain types of cars and you, you know have hyper valuable cars should always be waxed because and i'm talking about collector's items here not just like a bugatti or whatever I'm talking about real, real collector's items that are going up in value. You don't want to risk original paint, but I just have a head scratcher of why one-year ceramics haven't really taken off in a lot of people's eyes. And I got to say, I think over the next couple of years, that's what I hope in the ceramic market is people see the value you can bring to a lot of customers when it comes to this one year. Yeah, great advice. Uh, there's a lot to hope for, right? Uh, sure. especially now that we're moving into fall, I'm ready. It's interesting. I, I looked at photos from last year in the fall. I was already in a hoodie. Not now. I mean, it's 92 degrees this weekend. That's, yeah, that's, that's warm. Great. Oh, I love it. You know, uh, but it's interesting. Like last year we had hope for football and not much football this year. We're hoping for football, but it's so hot. Like, I don't know. Like, there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot to hope for moving into the fall, moving in, looking for 2024, those are some big things to hope for, not only as we move into what we're going into the slower part of the industry, but looking forward over the next years and where we see it coming. So great talk, Nick. Thanks so much. Uh, I, I see the, is that the palms back there blinking off behind yeah. you? Yeah, we got the palms in the background. Finally got the microphone and everything set up here at the shop and uh, a lot of late nights here. <laughs> recently and uh, supposed to have our first big correction project in this week, a restored Barracuda. So we'll be sharing a little bit of that on HyperClean. Uh, but I'll tell you, Marty, I, we really dodged for a lot of year, a lot of the year, any kind of problems, man, the supply chain stuff and not being able to get stuff has really hit me at this shop. And now I just had to say work is backing up. Fuck it. Things aren't going to be perfect. Let's just get this thing operational and, and we'll kind of fix it next year as things start to come in. <laughs> well, we look forward to continuing to see uh, over there on your stories and what all you're sharing. So yeah, till next it, week, man, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll stay up on the stories, but uh, audio wise, we'll see you next week. All right, brother. See you. All right. Have a great week. Hey, if you guys got any value out of this episode, which, Hey, listen, <laughs> We both know that there were some really, really good nuggets in there. Hey, leave us a comment. Leave us a review. As Nick and I have said, shoot us a DM. Talk to us. We love working with you on help grow the overall industry and growing your business that you're working with on a daily basis. That's what we do. We grow business, our business, our customers' business, and the overall industry because we believe that community is the best way to do it. Hey, this is Marshall. Make it a great day. Thanks for listening to that episode. And if you got any value out of it, hey, go share it. Go let people know what you heard on the Pints of Polishing podcast. And listen, 
If you want to leave us a review, we would love that. You know, five star, one star. Hey, whatever you think we deserve, if you would leave us a review, greatly appreciate that. And thank you so much for being a part of community.